Talksbus. How to give constructive criticism without taking on guilt of the other's emotional reaction. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, welcome everybody to this episode of Question and Answer Sessions with my daughter in love, Emma Olif. And I love that expression, that endearing expression, daughter in love. My son, Xander, and Emma have been together as a couple for about two and a half years. They met at a school in Denmark, and then they decided to go to university together in the Netherlands, a Maastricht University. And Emma is originally from Belgium, so she has this beautiful Belgian-French accent, and she only learned English three years ago, folks. It's absolutely amazing. One of Emma's concentrations in her studies is psychology, so we have something in common. We have some beautiful conversations back and forth, and various questions comes up for her as she's listening to my podcast. So I thought, why not answer some of those questions on the podcast? So these questions range from issues of how to deal and sustain long-term relationships, questions to deal with uh, guilt and apologies, how to sustain your own groundedness and not get pulled in other people's emotions, and a couple other really good questions. And I'm going to be experimenting with this kind of format. I mentioned that I wanted to do a podcast just with questions from you, my listeners. And there's a way to do that. You can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on the podcast page, and on the bottom, there will be a button that you can leave a voice message. And you can leave a question to a relationship issue that is coming up for you. And I may use that recording of your question in a future podcast and answer it, whether it's at the end of a podcast or just an isolated episode for that. So I'm excited about experimenting more with questions and answers. So I'd really appreciate if you go to that page, my page, and leave me a voice message. You can also check out the show notes and click on the hyperlink to get to that voice message button. I also want to thank again uh, people who have supported my podcast recently. I'd like to give a shout out to Ursula in North Carolina, also Devin in Georgia. So thank you so much for supporting the podcast recently with a donation. And I'd like to once again thank the sponsor of this episode, Gyro Creative out of Detroit, Michigan, my hometown. And Gyro Creative is an identity studio. And they think of identity as something that's much broader than brand. And they have worked with neighborhoods, nonprofits, and other clients whose meaning transcends brand. So they wanna work with relationship in their clients to try to get the inner and deeper story to come out in their identity. That's why it resonates so much with Gyro, how they form their relationships with their clients to work with a identity so that they can come up with identities that incite action, that build culture, unite community, and promote change. So check them out at gyrocreative.com. And I hope you enjoy this episode with questions and answers with my sweet daughter-in-love, Emma. So you are going to ask me some questions. And um, this particular question was something from your experience. So I know that it's one that's close to you. Yeah. <laughs> so my first question is how to offer someone an apology when feeling way too guilty to actually say it out loud? Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Because I think we have to understand that feeling guilty for something, an act that we did, that's, let's say it's a healthy guilt, that we know that we hurt the person, that we had a part in it, that we take accountability and responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important that we're able to understand that's part of an apology is to take accountability and responsibility. But sometimes guilt gets so overwhelming that we just think of ourselves in a really critical way. We think that we're bad. Shame comes in, which is, goes. I call it going to the personhood of the person. Mm. So it's very difficult to actually move and take accountability because it feels too painful. Mm. And so one, we have to recognize that difference between being able to take real accountability or do we have too much shame. And if we have too much shame and too much guilt, we have to turn that around. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And the reason why I'm asking that question actually is because a couple of weeks ago, we came into a conflict with uh, the family here. We were going out and I had to order something and I was a little bit rushed and stressed. Rainbow came to me to help me um, giving me many suggestions. And because of my stress, I didn't really answer in a great way to her. I didn't engage with her. I was a little bit short on her. And therefore, she just, yeah, she just left. She felt that I was not available for mm. that. But after that, I was feeling really guilty because she came with so much kindness, really trying to help me. And... I really didn't want to be mean to her, but I really felt that I hurt her and hurt her feelings. And I wanted to apologize to her for that, but I felt so guilty, so ashamed of my behavior, so ashamed that stress could make me behave like that, that I didn't even know how to find the words to apologize to her. Yeah, so that's, that's just a wonderful example of how we allow guilt and shame to just override us and overwhelm us. One thing that we have to really constantly try to shift is the feeling of self-compassion, that we have enough self-worth for ourselves mm -hmm. to know that we are a human being and we made a mistake and that the guilt actually feels so disempowering that it takes away our strength. Mm -hmm. And after... I believe being you know, 56 years old and really learning apologies well more my, later in my life, that the more we have experiences of being able to get out of that feeling, to take accountability, to feel self-compassion of like, yes, I did this thing, it was wrong, and it was hurtful, and I'm still a good person, mm. and I want to apologize, I want to make this more in harmony. And to feel the empowerment to know to take the risks to be able to speak to it, to get past just what we have felt, mm. the guilt, and actually go towards repair. So I think that we have to vision, have vision of repair, because mm. guilt makes us stay in paralyzation. And we don't think of repair. We think of, again, how bad we are, and mm. the self-critic and self-talk keeps coming in. So I think having that feeling of vision of repair and knowing that repair can happen, and hopefully you've had some experiences in the past where some of that has occurred when you did that. So it's empowering ourselves enough, empowering ourselves to know that we can actually speak to it, take accountability. Because I know when I take accountability after feeling inadequate and guilty, when I do it, I've, I really like myself. I like mm -hmm. myself for putting myself back in integrity mm -hmm. and being able to speak to it and take the risk to actually do that. I'm growing myself up. I'm being more of the human being that I want to be. Mm -hmm. And part of that, again, is giving myself some slack and some compassion because I'm not done. I'm still learning. And that we, that's a process of being able to take the risk to do that. Another part is really registering in the body. You know, when guilt is there, it actually freezes the body and we mm -hmm. almost feel paralyzation. Mm -hmm. So it's also practicing relaxing the body. 
self-soothing ourselves, putting our hand on our chest, our hand on our stomach, to actually start feeling more in our bodies to bring down the anxiety Mm. so that we can start thinking more rationally. Blood flow goes out of that flight fight response because the guilt can really put us in the freeze mode, which is in the limbic system Mm. and the fear Mm. and bring it back to more rational thinking part of the brain that, ah, I wanna repair. I know this is difficult. Oh, I do feel like I hurt this person, but I want to be able to create connection and harmony. I want to take the risks and and speak my truth. I am a good person. And I know that's a challenging one for some people because Mm -hmm. they don't don't think that. But that's part of the self-worth. Self-worth and feeding that is going to get us out of the constant feeling of guilt. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense relative to how I felt, but also when um, I see how Rainbow apologizes mm. to others, to us, yeah. it seems that she's really doing what you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Rainbow, my wife, is really, really good at that. And one thing that she does is that she takes her time. You know, she digests it, reflects on it, And when she's really ready to give a very grounded and focused, embodied self-accountability apology, it's so powerful because she's taking the time. She's not doing it premature. Mm. So I think that's one thing too, is we have to know ourselves, do we need time? Do we need time to digest it? Do we need time to really reflect it and to own it in a way that our guilt doesn't overshadow the empathy that we have for the person that we harmed? And you're right, she is a wonderful example of taking the time to actually do that. So yes, give people permission to take your time to do that, Mm. but not stay, let's say in the paralyzation time, it took her maybe a few days, three or Mm -hmm. four days on some things that we're talking about to come back to an apology. Because if you take way too long, then you get marred in in it. And a lot of people take Mm -hmm. years and so forth and don't apologize. Okay, so I know there's a another question lurking out there. Go ahead, <laughs> see what we got. Yeah, so that's a question that I think came up quite often with my friends talking about their relationship now and their future. Um, the question is, when couples were connecting and in love in the beginning of their relationship, how to sustain that in the long term? Mm, that's a good one. When people are connected in love, early in a relationship and how to sustain that in a long-term relationship. Well, one that I talked about with Kathy Courtney in Falling in Love is that we have to recognize in the beginning of the relationship is we're on drugs. There's a whole chemical dump that's happening that really reinforces that obsessing and the bonding and the nurturing. So we do have to recognize that that definitely happens in the beginning and it does wane off. It doesn't mean that it's It's all gone, we need Mm -hmm. to feed it. And one way to also feed it is the acceptance of shifts and changes in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Because after being with each other in a while, and if you're gonna, when we join our lives together more intimately, then there's more stresses, there's more challenges, Mm -hmm. there's maybe more consistencies. Some people say it's maybe gets into boredom or the mundane Mm -hmm. and we then really have to show up in the mundane. And another podcast I did on micro moments in relationships really talk about how to capture the moment to moment connections in a relationship when one person is doing the dishes and you're walking by. That moment is the moment of your relationship. How do you show up in that relationship? A touch on the back, a playfulness, endearing love, so I think successful couples also capture those those micro moments in long-term relationships because then you're just creating more and more beautiful connections that you don't need the extravagant getaways and the romantic date nights all the time to connect because your life is not going to be that day-to-day. So it's also figuring out that constant connection. Another part that I believe is that being in relationship for many years in a long-term aspect, trust hopefully is building more and more. So that's an aspect that needs to be fed. 
that sustainability in a long-term relationship when we trust in the relationship, especially ourselves. A lot of people don't talk about that, mm. like trusting in ourselves to respond, trust in ourselves to be the partner that we want to be. Mm. I mean, just think of it. If each partner is really focused on, I'm going to stay um, focused and mindful and aware of being the partner I want to be. I want to be mm -hmm. loving. I want to be kind. Mm -hmm. I want to be playful. I want to connect. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing that, hopefully the other partner is doing, but at least if I know that I'm doing that, that's my responsibility mm -hmm. that I know what I did in the beginning of the relationship when I was connecting and in love, I can do similar things or feel those feelings in order to continue that. I also believe that one of the biggest attributes that I constantly talk about and that we know uh, mm -hmm. through our family and our connection is around deep appreciations. I haven't, haven't seen anything that sustains that aspect in a long-term relationship and a foundation um, than anything else that a couple has. Mm -hmm. Because appreciating each other is what we do in the beginning of a relationship. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate the person we talk about them to family members and other people and and then all of a sudden that can change and it can turn to complaints or we don't talk so mm. nice that's what we have to turn around and keep in, mm. in sustainability so not only appreciating our partner and thinking appreciative thoughts and memories but also speaking to the relationship to other people mm. speaking to our other people that our partner in a positive light, mm -hmm. that is so vital because that is what's gonna stay in our, our mind's eye of how we view our relationship. Mm -hmm. So sustaining it in the long term is actually creating the, the vision of your relationship that you know that you have by doing those things every day mm -hmm. to give you the example that you do have those things. Mm -hmm. mm. I also think in sustaining a long-term relationship the connection can really change to more compassion, mm -hmm. more acceptance, knowing the person more and knowing their challenges mm -hmm. that, that we have. With that person, we hopefully accept, as we did in the beginning of the relationship, mm -hmm. we accepted a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But then just after, some people say a couple years, some of that may shift and change. So we have to recognize, oh, I'm going down that focus of maybe not accepting and wanting things to change. In long-term relationships, it's really beautiful about, you know what, I'm not gonna resolve this difference, I'm gonna manage it, I'm gonna accept it. Mm -hmm. This is the way the person is and I'm gonna accept it, I'm gonna see some beauty in it, I'm going to speak to it when I need to, but I'm not going to constantly want it to change. Because that's one thing we did early on in the relationship, if you're connected in love, you didn't really want a lot of change. You wanted that to sustain. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so from what you said, especially at the beginning, talking about these micro moments, I'm wondering when you realize that there is not many of them that are so positive anymore. I hear they are important, but how do you actually make great micro moments becoming in a habit mm. of yours? Yeah, that's a great question. To me, visualization is so important. It's actually seeing ourselves act in those micro moments. It is to know, okay, I'm having many micro moments that I don't like, that's not, what do I want to have? How do I want that to be, especially me, my own behavior? Mm. So for instance, a micro moment, as I gave an example before, of thinking about rainbow doing by the sink and me walking by and gently touching her back or giving her a kiss on uh, on the neck if i see myself in my mind's eye mm -hmm. visualizing myself do that i'm going to be more apt to do that so i have to actually practice seeing myself act in those micro moments in a positive way so then when those micro moments opportunities come up i'm going to think oh yeah wait a second I remember I had a vision of me doing that. Mm. If I do it enough, I'm going to actually believe that that's how I behave and mm. I'm going to do it more. So I think it's intentional. It's intentional individual work to do the micro moments. But it's also 
talking and agreeing, hopefully with your partner, about accepting the micro moments, like、mm-hmm. both of you being open. Hey, these are going to be little moments that I'm going to reach out, and hopefully you're going to reach out for me too.、Mm-hmm. Let's make an agreement to really receive those moments,、mm-hmm. because when we do receive those moments, the the person is going to be more. Uh, willing and more incentivized to do more of those micro moments that we、mm-hmm. want. So, from a relational standpoint, I think it's really good to agree. Hey, we're going to recognize those micro moments, and if I'm on the receiving end, I'm going to really receive them. So, it will encourage you to do that more. So, being intentional in those micro moments. And I know some people don't know what what to do in those small moments, those mundane moments when、mm. one person is brushing their teeth in the the bathroom and you walk in. I mean, is there an aspect of you joking around? Is there an aspect of just appreciating? And one of the mindfulness techniques that I use that I've spoke to on other podcasts is realizing these moments can go away anytime. One of us can die in a moment. And those little moments that I could have in interaction of kindness and love and so forth, they can go away. Those opportunities. So I want to get as many in my repertoire of relationship、mm-hmm. with people that I love, so that I don't have those regrets and they, that they become actually habit.、Mm-hmm. So I think it is intentionally changing the experience of negative micro moments to positively seeing and giving. Focused attention to be intentional in how our own behavior shows up in those micro moments.、Mm. And one thing that I've noticed by being around you and Xander through the years is the playfulness and the touching and the sweetness that you show each other. And I consider you being in the beginning of a relationship, maybe a little bit more.、Mm-hmm. How many years now? Two and a half. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Like you're <laughs> a little bit past that, but you're continuing. To do those aspects of touch and playfulness, and that is actually vital to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And yeah, I I was actually really smiling when you were giving examples of you know just brushing the teeth because that's one of the few examples that I know in the apartment. Zender often brushes his teeth before me, and probably every single time. When I come, I like to brush our teeth together. First of all, <laughs> even though the sink is really small, but every time I would come, I would open the the door like really quick to scare him or just like do a weird face that he could see in the mirror and see me back,、mm. being like pretendingly mad because he's te-、um, brushing his teeth without me or like、um, kind of. Pretending to kick him like with my with my foot or something, just、yeah. always making a little joke, just at that moment. But that's that's happening really almost all the time. And yeah, every every time we say goodbye, it just really takes a long time. And after I think two and a half years, it's still、mm. yeah quite already a bit long relationship. And that just makes me so happy to know that we have all of these micro beautiful、mm. fun. Moments and yeah. and you do, like I said you do the play so well and、yeah. you know my thought process is when I'm with friends we're playing I'm having a good time and、mm. enjoying so with our partners we got to remember that if、yeah. we're you know that playfulness and friend to be friends with your partners around play、yeah. I, I want to enjoy who I'm spending time with and I want to. Play and and play is sometimes you don't always hit the bullseye, so you try something else to、yeah. to make that connection. So your example is beautiful. Play is I think also a vital component to take from the beginning of the relationship that hopefully you've had to sustain it in long term relationships.、Mm-hmm. I know that I love going out and playing with Rainbow when we have adventures, and I know that we continue to do that. We continue to do things that are more fun. Yeah. So a lot of couples are spending time with in long-term relationships, constantly in, the, in in more of the challenges of running the house and running the home and、mm-hmm. running the family. And、mm-hmm. yes, that needs to be a focus. But when that becomes all the focus, that it's just stress、yeah. and it's serious conversations and it's conflict, but they're not having fun with each other. Yeah. Then why why do they want to be with each other? They don't, yeah. and yeah. they're they're going to want to try to have that spirit with. Perhaps somebody else, or they can't find it within themselves. So, 
find also that funness and playfulness. And I think that's one thing too to think about is that、mm-hmm. we have to feel that we're a fun person、yeah. in order to also be fun with with our partner. That we have to believe that we are and enjoy our sense of playfulness, our sense of humor,、yeah. feel confident in somewhat of that to be able to express ourselves. Yeah, and I would actually like to、um, respond to that again, giving an example because I think that we, in my past relationships, I didn't really feel like I was a funny person, and since I'm with Xander, I think that I'm really, really funny, and just because. Um, you use the word playing, and I think maybe for some people that don't feel they have so much fun in their relationship, it can be a little bit challenging to understand what playing can can be or what having fun can be.、Mm-hmm. And I really think that it's just basically being indeed truly comfortable in yourself and knowing what makes you laugh. And just embodying yourself. So I know that for me, I don't really love at complex jokes with language, especially in English. It's a bit complicated for me, but I really love like mimics and body language and all the fun around playing with your body is something that is hilarious for me.、Mm-hmm. So I would always play with that with Xander, and he reacts really well to it because we are in a relationship for something. We share、yeah. many things. So I guess by really. Being truly yourself and knowing what you like to see, and trying them out, tickling someone or just yeah, making funny faces like、yeah. you're saying and so forth. And I think it is so important that the the receiver knows that that's a bit of a connection that they know yeah, that the other person's、exactly. taking a risk, so that you don't come down on them with criticism or sarcasm and or poo poo it in some way, even even too much in a joking way to shut down their. Initiative to、yeah. take a connection, so receiving that playfulness, I think, is also so important. Yeah, and it makes it so yeah beautiful and fun. I love you know that's the one thing that I just love.、I'm, both Raymond and I love watching both of you in that in that、mm. way that you truly enjoy each other's company and are playful. And、mm. as a parent, it's just such a gift to see my child enjoying and being playful、mm. and having fun with. Somebody that he's in love with and he's in relationship with. So, thank you so、mm-hmm. much for for <laughs> playing with him in that way too. Not、mm-hmm. not alone all the respect and the deep appreciations and the maturity that you have, but the playfulness、mm-hmm. and fun, and that's inspiring. It's inspiring when I see both of you doing that. It inspires me to also、mm-hmm. do more of it. So, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so there's、uh, some more questions coming.、Mm-hmm. Let's try another one. Yeah, my next question is how to give constructive criticism without taking on guilt of the other's emotional reaction.、Mm, yeah, 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 that's a good one.、Um, I did a podcast on constructive criticism question mark, and I talked about what the verbiage I like to use is constructive feedback, because I-, I do think that there is an aspect of when we. We mean criticism as a critique, but sometimes criticism comes across right going to the personhood of the person and not just their behavior. So I think it's really good to give constructive feedback that of an observation and not so much emotion in it that maybe a lot of judgment comes out or a real desire for change、mm. as opposed to giving somebody some feedback、mm. of what you're experiencing. So one of the challenges is doing that is to also feel that you're a person that deserves to give feedback,、mm. you know, because there's boundaries around that. If somebody behaves a certain way, says a certain thing that doesn't sit right with you, you have every right、mm. to give them that that feedback. And when I think about giving constructive feedback, it's for the betterment of the connection, not just to berate the person and not just to tell them all these bad things about their behavior, but it's actually. There's something that just felt like a disconnect or an observation that I don't feel as close, or I'm starting to have a different view of the person because of the way that they're behaving or what they said. I think I have to keep in mind when I'm doing that, it's for the betterment of the relationship,、mm. and that can be risky because,、mm-hmm. as your question says, is the person can really react in, in some sort of way. They、mm-hmm. can get angry back and defensiveness. They could feel a lot of guilt and they can feel a lot of shame.、Mm. And how do we actually stay with 
letting somebody else have their experience, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to feeling guilt by mm-hmm. somebody else's emotional world. Like maybe they're feeling shame or feeling really sad that mm-hmm. we gave them that, that feedback. So we have to allow somebody to have their experience. So it is working on what's called differentiation. It's having a healthy sense of yourself while you're still connected with the other person. Because again, I like to talk about when somebody, when I give perhaps some feedback to somebody and let's say they feel anxiety or they feel some guilt or shame, they rise in feeling of anxiety. And I feel that rise also within myself. Mm -hmm. It feels really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Usually what we do is we try to take care of them, apologize or to bring them, now what can I do to make you feel better? Mm -hmm. The reality of that is we're trying to feel better Mm -hmm. by making them better. Mm -hmm. So we have to learn to actually bypass them and self-soothe ourselves so that we can be really present and just witness and stay within our own boundaries to separate whose feelings are whose, let the person have their feeling. If it if they're feeling really guilty or shame, that's not our feeling. That's mm-hmm. theirs. But it's really hard to witness it. So I think it's getting more comfortable with witnessing other people's expression, not doing anything about it, not trying to change it and so forth. So I tell people to practice that. When you see somebody else's at times having an, an emotional experience, mm-hmm. to be able to recognize what's going on in, in your own body and to breathe to soften your body so that you can just witness it a little longer that Mm. they're doing what they're doing and being curious about it and actually being interested perhaps in what it is instead of judging real quick or what can i do to change it and make them feel better Mm. so in some sense i call it getting comfortable with the uncomfortable Mm. it's really uncomfortable watching somebody else um, feel an emotion especially when we are giving constructive feedback and sometimes what happens is then we allow their emotions to trump our initial uh, feedback mm-hmm. so now we got to address their emotions instead of like wait wait a second mm-hmm. i want you to address my my constructive feedback mm. what i'm saying that i'm observing that i want change what i don't like mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it needs to be back on me mm-hmm. not on the other person. Mm-hmm. So if we allow ourselves to be pulled into their emotion, then we're not able to put a healthy boundary and say, hey, I know that you're having some emotions around this, but I'd like you to stay focused on, this is my experience. Mm-hmm. This is my feelings that I have around this. Can you stay present with what's going on for me? We can mm-hmm. address what's going on for you after I want you to be present with me. So we can also practice requesting that we have a right Mm. to stay focused on our feedback that we're giving. Mm-hmm. And that's practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually wondering, in a situation where the person responds in a, for example, um, sad manner, or the person seems to be very ashamed or feeling guilty. From the, from the constructive from, feedback. Yeah, criticism. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, for the person that gives the constructive feedback, it's hard to just feel in them in themselves without wanting to show compassion or understanding. Yeah. So, well, I think that that that's a good emotion, human emotion to feel. Also, mm-hmm. is the understanding, compassion, and now I think we're talking about how to work with it relationally because mm-hmm. there's a way I think the person that's giving the the feedback, if they're recognizing why wow, that person's really sad or they're taken a certain way, we can actually name that and say, I see what I'm saying is that you're feeling bad. I can see that what the words and how you're interpreting it or the way that you're receiving it, that you feel sad, I can mm. see that. So we can acknowledge it with empathy. We can say, mm. I can understand that you feel sad. I know it's hard for you to hear those words from me. Mm. I think what's important where we're working relationally is to also then clarify in some way and i'm saying this because there was a behavior Mm. that you said or did that is bothering me you are not a bad person Mm -hmm. i actually love you and you know that there's many things that i constantly love about your behavior this is one thing that i am telling you that i'm having a challenge with So the reason why I give that example is not that we're trying to rescue the person out of their feelings, but relationally, we can help them refocus mm. and saying, hey, don't go down that, th- that pathway. Don't go mm. down that, that, that tunnel. 
I'm letting you know that, and it's, it, and it's a feeling of not having to take care of the person, but more taking care of the relationship mm. that we're talking about. Hey, rise with me, come up mm. and, and, and meet me in the way of all I'm saying is I have this really challenge for this behavior right now. You are a good person. I know you mm-hmm. are. So I know some, some couples have a challenge. I don't need to take care of my partner in that way. Mm. And I understand that with certain boundaries, but in a long-term relationship, relationally, I think that that's good to do, mm. to be able to really clarify ourselves in that way of helping that person see that part of themselves that they're not able to at that moment. Mm. We can just mention it, see if they'll meet us there in naming it. Mm-hmm. So it is not taking care of the other person's self-worth or self-esteem, but in some way it's a little bit of a reminder to them. So at the time that they maybe are spiraling, if they are able to catch that little bit of the rope that Mm. we're handing to them, if they don't, we gotta accept that, let Mm -hmm. them have their experience. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a fine talent, I think also to be able to stay in our own boundary, to be able to express our own feedback that we need to give the person be present with their emotion and let's say that it is challenging for us, sadness or they're showing some guilt for us to also name that we see that, have empathy, I see that you're, mm. that you're challenged by it. And I know that you can meet me and hear me. This mm. is so important for me to express that. Are you willing to do that? Mm. Yeah. And what I'm talking about is a skill. You know, we have to do it over and over and so while we're doing more and more and more of it we get better at it Mm. and that's a part of the other question with long-term relationships is that we start getting better at at these things of working through those conflicts that could stay and being fermented and resentment can go underneath Mm. so we can get better at the uncomfortableness of what we're what we're just talking about that little conflict i think just like any kind of conflict is for understanding Mm. and that's what we're trying to to focus on and for me that's so important when i get uncomfortable in a in a conflict i got to remind myself wait a second this is i'm having this so that i can understand further there's something here that i need to be able to understand more in order to have better harmony and more connection and if i can keep that focus then I can experiment and take these risks and move through some of these challenging things. And it's wonderful as a couple to actually agree upon doing this kind of experimentation. Mm -hmm. You know, as I talked about before uh, in this example, if I'm the one that's helping my partner recognize that I'm not saying that they're a bad person, that I'm just challenged with this behavior, if that's kind of an agreement of couples to actually do work like that, then that's the beauty of yeah. the relationship, right? Is that working together on this um, so that we can fine tune more of how we want to be. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I think we have time for, as they say, we have time for one more question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last question that I wrote down in my little book <laughs> mm-hmm. is this one how to healthily deal with the effects of our past negative experiences in our present relationship. Ooh, that's a good one. How to deal with some of our negative experiences in a healthy way in our present uh, mm-hmm. relationship, right? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. We all know we're bringing in stuff from, from our past experiences, whether it was in our family of origin Uh, with our parents, with our siblings, or other relationships that we have with another person in a a romantic and even a committed way, and our friendships, Mm -hmm. all the relationships that we have, we're bringing in that stuff. The realization is that two people are bringing in their Mm -hmm. stuff, and we think that maybe that other person is really gonna understand just because we think we have a similar experience. We don't. We're so unique, and all what makes up of our experiences are really different. Even though we can overlap and try to understand it, we know that I've never experienced what you've experienced in your life. And the combination of all that you grew up with and mm-hmm. your experiences, I can try to understand it, but I don't I don't know from an intimate level mm-hmm. of, of it. So you and w- other people, of course, we're all bringing in our, our own stuff from the past. And as a couple, I think it's absolutely good to, of course, recognize mm-hmm. that some of the responses or reactions are triggers from the way that we may have behaved in the past. It could be 
protection reactions. It could be aspects of when people feel, let's say, abandoned, that they're protecting themselves and pulling away or coming more towards in the relationship to hold on to the relationship because of the fear of it. Other people might have been smothered and criticized, and so they're mm-hmm. aloof or they're creating some distance in the relationship. People have trust issues growing up and other past relationships could be infidelity or just other things like that that cause betrayal. And now in this relationship, trust issues are way high and on the board. So one is I believe is really recognizing that and making a commitment, each person making commitment to do their work mm-hmm. around that. That's, that's individual work to do a lot of that recognition of what I'm bringing in to the relationship that's not serving the relationship. So I've got to do my own work around it, recognize it. I have to work with it, whether it's in counseling, daily practices, taking accountability, really moving through it. It's, I think every human being's responsibility, Mm -hmm. if they do want to grow, that they have to look at the things that they want to transform and let go of and the things that they want to feed to become more of who they want to be. So it's each person's individual responsibility. And then there's the collective responsibility. And if I know some of Rainbow's past things that she's bringing in, one is that I'm not shaming her for it, mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing for it, I'm not being sarcastic about it, that I'm having empathy and understanding, and at times, pointed it out to her. We have an agreement that we're, we're okay with pointing it out. Now the timing of pointing it out that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And we still working on that part. Mm-hmm. But we both want to the other one to recognize or let us know that's part of constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. To let us know when we're bringing in some old patterns. Mm-hmm. Usually it's not good to say it at the moment that the old patterns are coming up, right? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, who are you to tell me uh-huh. that, right? So we get defensive and things like that. But in a good partnership working relationally, I think it's good to be able to say, hey, I have some observations of what just came up you know, yesterday or in, in our conflict, are you open for those observations? We've talked about how you're, you, what you bring into the relationship. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you're trying to transform is around abandoned issues. I saw that perhaps some of those surfaced. Can you tell me what's going on for you? Mm. Instead of also just telling the other person, this is what I see, you're acting just like your mother and your abandoned issues mm-hmm. are coming up. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm seeing this, this issue that we that you've told me about is your issue. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what's going on for you if you see it too, mm-hmm. and have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You know, be more interested about it. If the other person actually wants some feedback, ask. You mm-hmm. know, hey, are you open to some feedback of what I see in in the behavior? Or you've told me that this is what you're working on, and this is a tool, a technique that you wanted to bring in. Did you do that? Are you doing that? And again, that's that's a agreed upon work. Mm. Not when one person just is like being the therapist or mm-hmm. um, and and shoving it down the other person's neck and saying, "You need to change," and this yeah. is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So. Great, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And um, so I have a question about just that. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering in the relationship if one of the partner has um, had past experiences of abandonment, for example, or have been cheated on, or some kind of negative past experiences that let know his or her partner. Mm -hmm. How can you really find balance between the other partner being aware of that and therefore being a little bit careful around these kind of topics? Right but not taking the responsibility for the past experiences right. and for the partner that suffers, let's say, to not put on the other one, you knew that I had that and you cannot blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you knew that I had abandonment issues, so you cannot leave. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good question of how to work with that. Like you said, you can't put it on somebody else. Uh, you have to be responsible of your past issues. Mm. But again, working, if I, if I know uh, some of Rainbow's past issues, and especially if they're wounds, if I intentionally know that, I'm not gonna go after the wound. I know subconsciously at times, I, I might, but consciously I know that, wow, I'm gonna stay off of that area. That's, that's painful for her. So I think that that's a compassionate thing. So 
Another example that I know that comes up with my work is with couples, like one has an abandonment issue and then the other partner just even leaves the room in a conflict or um, even spending too much time with their with their friends. Mm-hmm. So you're not here to take total responsibility of, of your partner's mm-hmm. issues. But if I do know, if I'm that person, if I know that my partner has abandonment issues, I'm gonna stay more in working through a conflict than automatically bolting away. Mm Because that's probably my issue, automatically leaving. Mm. So I've got to recognize, ah, I might have a play in this too. Like Mm -hmm. I might be leaving because of protection. So I've got to look at my own issues. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have some of those issues, I've got to be cognizant of, okay, I'm not going to automatically just walk out the room. If I do need to remove myself, I'm gonna say it in a slow way. I know that this might be challenging for you, but I need to take care of myself and I'm gonna remove myself and come back in about an hour. So I'm letting you know I'm coming back. So Mm -hmm. one part of that is I'm not taking responsibility of the abandonment issues, but I am working relationally and telling my partner when I'm gonna come back. Mm -hmm. So there's a way to also work with each other when you know each other's triggers and so forth. But you're right, it's it's not taking ownership or accountability of somebody else's past issues mm-hmm. that they're bringing, but not to go ahead and throw more darts at it and poke your finger in it when you know that it's hurtful. Some people do that. Some couples purposely go after each other's wounds and um, that's just out of uh, hurt from their own standpoint and they're just throwing back and forth their hurt and they're just in the cycle of that hurt. And how can you get out of this kind of situation? Yeah, I think uh, again, doing your own individual work about taking Mm. accountability of, if I'm throwing back hurt, I gotta recognize, well, I'm throwing back hurt because I'm hurt. Mm. So perhaps I need to be more vulnerable and speak to my hurt instead of throwing back blame. Mm -hmm. So I need to recognize and be able to have more a sense of self-worth in myself to be able to speak to what I'm going through than to throw it back on the person. So it is doing our our own work and recognizing that when we do something different, when I do something different, then I know that the dance of the back and forth reaction is gonna be different. Mm -hmm. So it's taking that responsibility of also knowing that I have an influence in it by just doing something different Mm. than what we normally do. I also think to kind of round that that one off is that we also have to celebrate our so-called wins. You know, when we are more compassionate for ourselves and when we do something different that maybe betters the relationship instead of bringing in some of the negative past or Mm -hmm. taking the vulnerability to speak to our experience and not blame it on our our partner. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to think about those times that we're progressing and the times that we're growing and not just all of the constant improvements around perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So it's not at all skirting responsibility and jumping over it, but also we need to reinforce our positive experiences for us to know that we can do more of those positive experiences. Mm -hmm. So self-compassion is really a part of that also to be really kind to ourselves when perhaps we are bringing in some of that past negative things and what, how the other person is reacting to have compassion for our growth and to be able to speak to it and not just put it under the table. It's complicated, but as long as we're coming with, I think more of the intention to want to grow, the intention to want to move past it, and to have respect for our partner's challenges and so forth, then putting again blame and criticism, then growth takes place more relationally. Mm. All right, so I think that's what we got time for today. Uh, that was that was interesting. I liked that we took some of the questions that you were thinking about and contemplating for a while, and we kind of put it on the on the podcast. So that was good for me to think about it and um i didn't have a whole bunch of preparation for it so that was cool i'm glad that 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 worked out that way too yeah i'm actually very impressed by how quick all of these answers come from you i'm just asking a question and then 
yeah, you're answering such a great and inspirational mm. way. Mm. Um, and it's great to be a person that can just ask questions that are on my mind and be able to get answers from you and be able to listen to them and then maybe listen to them again and again if I need to. That's just wonderful. So mm. thank you for answering Yeah, them. thanks. It was a nice challenge because I don't like to just prepare ahead of time just all these patent answers. I want them to come through to me in the moment and have a conversation about it instead of it just being this mundane back and forth question and answer yeah. that people think, oh, he's preparing for weeks for. Mm. No, folks, I haven't, you know. So yeah, I also like that part. So I probably will, was missing some answers and some things I want to say that could be on future podcasts. So from this comes uh, uh, perhaps a, an interesting future with the, the questions because, again, on my website, if people go to the podcast page, they can actually leave their voice message and I can use that on a future podcast on a question that they have in regards to relationships. So I like this kind of format and I'll be... Mm doing it more in the future. So thank you so much mm -hmm. for kind of pushing me along and doing this. And it was wonderful to have your beautiful Belgium French voice <laughs> on it. So I'm sure people really enjoyed listening. <laughs> thank you. And before we end the podcast, I think it would be wonderful for you to say a final word in French to our listeners. <laughs> yeah. So um, j'espère que vous aurez tous tiré d'intéressantes informations de cette conversation. Et pour toi qui te reconnaîtra, maintenant que tu as toutes les clés dont tu as besoin, tu n'as plus le choix. Oh, that sounds so sweet. What did you, you say? What did you say? He said, I hope that you guys all got great insights from this conversation. And for my friend, you know who you are. Um, now that you have the answers to your questions, you have to get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Thanks, babe. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. <laughs> <laughs>